This episode of the My Hockey Life podcast is brought to you by the Nolan Insurance Company. Since being founded in 1933 by James J. Nolan Sr., Nolan Insurance Company has been family-owned and operated by the Nolan family. Throughout our 85 years, our vision and mission has remained the same, to take care of our customers using a strong work ethic and family values to treat you, our customer, as a member of our Nolan Insurance family. Our experienced team can analyze your insurance needs and suggest the best options for your home and auto insurance, commercial insurance, and much more. As an independent agency, we have only your best interests in mind. You'll find our dedicated staff is friendly, knowledgeable, and ready to help at any of our three locations. The Nolan Insurance Company. Welcome back to the My Hockey Live podcast. I am Brandon Hall. I am joined today by Jake Levin. Jake, welcome back to hockey. Brandon, it, uh, <laughs> it, it, this whole party got started at the tail end of hockey season last year, and I really can't believe that it's taken us this long to have some more high school hockey to look forward to. But here we are. I'm on my way to my first game of the season today, going to cover the arlington Woburn girls game for the Globe. Um, it's weird. It's all very weird right now, but I'm very excited to be at the rink and I'm, I don't know if excited is the word. I'm certainly interested to see what it looks like. Yeah. Jerry Garcia, I think said what a long, strange trip it's been, uh, (laughs) from, uh, from, you know, not having a state championship last year and crowning co-champions, uh, to getting to where we are right now. It certainly has been interesting. It's, yeah, there's so many big picture real world ways to look at everything that's gone on and yeah pick an adjective right yeah but um in terms of high school sports you know i think the fall seasons in massachusetts were a massive success soccer field hockey uh, golf and cross country were the sports that were able to compete and it wasn't perfect no you know you had a couple teams that had to go into quarantine and their schedules were affected but by and large, these were not, um, I guess, super spreader events would be the term I'm looking for. I think that was sure. kind of proven out. And I think every league that ran a tournament, I'm going to look to the Patriot League as an example, the Patriot Cup, it went off just about flawlessly. And that's in the team sports, um, you know, soccer and field hockey. Uh, the Hockamock Cup was also a smashing success. So... Those were cool things that, you know, if there's one tiny little positive to take away from this madness, I kind of wouldn't hate little mini league tournaments uh, moving forward, but that's neither here nor there. The thing is now in the winter, and again, I'm not a scientist, uh, it's going to be a little harder to pull all of this off when it's indoors in some poorly ventilated structures. I mean, you've been in a lot of these hockey rinks that have been around since, you know, before World War II, seemingly. (laughs) It's certainly, it's a little bit more of a cause for concern. I think it's going to be a little bit more stop and go. And that's a little tougher because this is such a tight window that games are going to be able to be played now. You know, most teams... You know, there's a handful of teams that are starting today, as we've said, but a lot of leagues, I know the Catholic Conference, for example, isn't starting until, I think it's the 11th, January 11th. A couple teams on the Cape aren't starting until around then. It is both boys and girls. So there's still, as far as I know, this hard deadline of around February 21st 
it's going to be the end of the winter season, and then it's going to be football season. Are you ready for some football? <laughs> um, so it's going to be tougher to make up some of these games that have been canceled. I mean, for example, I know in my hockey live, we were going to do the Falmouth Barnstable uh, game next week down in Falmouth. And that's been postponed because both schools are going remote and that game will be made up because Falmouth Barnesville, you know, they're going to play no matter what the situation is, but they'll, they'll play in a parking lot if they have to. Right. Exactly. But you know, I look at some other teams that are maybe spaced a little farther apart it's going to be tougher and you know falmouth especially with falmouth they have such a good situation where they own the rink basically and they can you know come up with all the prime time slots they want with a lot of these other teams you know there's five or six other teams both boys and girls so really double that number in some cases where you're competing for ice time with it's going to be a real cluster to uh, reschedule some of these games so i don't envy the schedule makers who have to deal with that and i don't envy the kids who you know, some of these kids are only going to get to play five or six games in theory, and hey, better than zero. But ah, it's just I, I can't imagine the psyche right now. Right? Yeah. As a as a coach, I would imagine it's very difficult right now to keep your your crew focused on uh, on the task at hand. And hockey is such a focused sport, and, and it's a rhythm sport where you know you you get you get on the ice. You get used to going to practice the same time every single day. You get used to getting into a routine and then playing your games at the same times. You know, that Wednesday, Saturday routine. The schedule is all over the place. I'm looking at uh, a list of 20 games right here, and I see uh, six cancellations on this yeah. list. You know, that that's a lot. In uh, <laughs> If we're canceling 25% of the games that are going or postponing, 25% of the games that are going to happen. Like you said, finding time in these rinks is going to be difficult. Now, there will be games that will be postponed, and they'll be postponed permanently. Uh, and a game, like, like you said, with Falmouth and Barnstable, they'll find ways to make those games up. But, you know, when you look at a rink, uh, you know, I think about, like, Habamock in Pembroke. Sure. There's five, six teams playing out of there, plus the girls, boys teams, five or six, and then plus the girls teams that are playing out of there. You know, you're playing on a Tuesday afternoon at 2.30 right after school to, play, to make those games up. Um, and, and, you know, that's without fans, uh, as we've said all along here. Uh, you know, you, you, some of these leagues, I know the Patriot, I can, look, speak, I can speak from experience in the Patriot League, you get a parent pass for your home games, and that's about it. Um, you know, you can bring one parent in and there's no locker room and there's no, you know, it's, you're, you get a little youth hockey here where you're getting dressed at home. Um, you know, mom, dad, tying the skates and you jump in the car. Uh, it's going it, to, this is going to be really be interesting as we, you know, um, look at this going forward. It's really fascinating to, you know, and I wonder what it's going to be like with football, uh, look, moving ahead. I mean, that sport is just as involved in terms of, preparation in terms of the equipment you got to put on uh, to play. So that's another issue for down the line. But, right, it's not like soccer where you put your cleats and your shin guards on, uh, you know, right, right when you get to the field, you're ready to go. That's certainly something else you do have to worry about. Right, and, and, they're, coll- and they're collision sports too, right? So, so yes. w- what the MIA is doing as far as quarantining and, you know, having teams uh, kind of hole up if, if there's a positive case on one side or the other um, it's going to, you know, it'll wreak havoc on the schedule. But of course, the health and safety of student athletes and coaches is, is paramount here. And the MIA is doing that. So what we see in like, say, the NFL, where, you know, a player tests positive, they close the facility um, and, and then they reopen the facility and they test everybody. That stuff's not going to be available. And the, the MIA is just going to shut a team down for two weeks. Yep. 
Um, and I don't think the, I don't think the NFL should be looked at as a positive example right. here either. They're damn the torpedoes approach. I know they're going to play 256 games. That's great. Kudos to them. But they have not done it safely. I think the NFL has been not a uh, model of success uh, this fall and into the winter. That's just my opinion. Though, in no, terms well, of I mean, you cover this has been handled. <laughs> you cover you cover the Patriots, right? You look at what what happened to say Baltimore. Or you look at, uh, my gosh, what happened in Denver. Uh, where, oh, my goodness. You know, no active quarterback on the roster, and they're still forced to play a game. Um, but that's neither here nor there. That is not going to happen in the MIA. They are, if there's a positive case on a team, they're shutting that team down for two weeks, and they're shutting yep. down the opponent for two weeks um, yep. You know, to be safe. And, and those kids are going to have to quarantine at home. They won't be able to go into school. They won't be able to have practices. And with a short season already where we've lost – uh, what has already been a month, you know, it, it's uh, it, it's going to be interesting. This is going to be, um, you know, a sur- survival survival of the fittest in in a sense that you know it it'll take some luck and it'll take some um, some. It's going to take luck, really. Right. No, totally. And, you know, we're at a point in the season in a normal year right now. Teams would have played five, six, maybe even seven games um, right around the new year. So. Yeah, like you said, quarter of the season really already gone, uh, and then it's just going to be stop and go from here. We're used to weather delays. You know, that'll happen. You get a big snowstorm, and you got to wait another day or two, but, you know, COVID delay be a week or two instead. Yeah, and uh, as far as the schedule goes, so we can get into this now. Uh, it's it's a league schedule for all of these teams, with a few exceptions. For the most part, yes. yeah. Yeah, with a few exceptions. We've got some teams that are in small leagues. Um you know, you know, a, a team like Bridgewater, Raynham, or Dartmouth, they can play outside of what it what is usually a three or four team league. Um, in the larger leagues where there's two divisions, uh, you're playing two, you're playing twice in your own division against uh, opponents, and then you have a crossover or two crossover games to the other side. Uh, again, my experience is with the Patriot League, so you're looking at, say, a team like Pembroke is going to play. Um, you know, situate in Hanover and those folks twice, and then they'll cross over and play against, uh, you know, a Hingham or a Marshfield, which adds to that extra wrinkle. Hingham is now a league team, no longer playing an, indiv- uh, an independent schedule. Unbelievable, right? Uh, as uh, Tony Messina was saying, um, Garrett Regan will be proud. He's, of course, he, uh, you know, led Hingham out of the Patriot League initially there in the late 90s. They went back for one year, I think in 2002. And they've been in Indy ever since. Uh, it for as, you know, I guess cool is the word. I don't know, to retro as it is to see Hingham in the Patriot League. I can't believe their crossover, one of their crossover games, is not against Hanover. That's a matchup I've wanted to see, you know, selfishly uh, for the last five or six years, I guess, since um, my hockey live began. You got Hingham and Hanover, two of the top programs in their respective levels, Hingham in that Division One, competing for the Super 8, and Hanover, probably the cream of the crop in Division Three, pound for pound, the most consistent team year in, year out. Uh, two state titles in the My Hockey Live era, uh, a third appearance in the championship game. And they're one of the few teams down at that level, Division Three, where they have the depth, I think, that could skate with a team like Hingham. Um, in any given year, you know, I'm not saying every single year, but last year's team was probably good enough to hang around with Hingham. And, you know, that team, they wound up losing at the Garden that was 24-0 and coming in. I think that was certainly a good enough Hanover team. Uh, and they played Duxbury every year. And Hanover, I believe, has beaten Duxbury 
two of the last three years, give or take. And it's a Duxbury team that won a Division One state championship on their own. Um, what would that be now? 2019. You know, Hanover plays Marshfield on occasion. I think they tied last year. Uh, so I really wanted to see Hanover hang them. Uh, I'll, I'll, this is a long way of saying, but maybe in the Patriot Cup, we'll get to see it. Yeah, that's a great point. And that, and and Hingham, I'm, I'm sorry, Hanover plays Duxbury today at 5:30 at Rockland Arena. Uh, so that'll be a game worth paying attention to. The Patriot Cup and the idea of these leagues having their own little mini tournaments is the replacement for the MIA State Tournament. Now, the fun part about the about the fall was having the Patriot Cup or having the League Cups. So. In the you know as a golf coach it was a little different it was a one day eighteen hole tournament, uh, but watching our other fall sports play you know there were some big time upsets there were there were teams that ended up in finals that you know would would not have made a state tournament there were teams that finished you know say uh, because they played half of a regular schedule maybe they finished four and six but then you know they played through in this in this bracket style system and they get hot and they win and they end up in a final. Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch that. It, it created sort of a, it, it reminded me a lot of going back to my youth and watching, say, the Adams division and seeing the Bruins play the Whalers <laughs> every year, you know? Uh, sure. But it, it was a lot of fun to watch that. And you definitely lose that in the state tournament where, you, you know, you go off and you play, and especially with the new state tournament format coming, uh, a team like Pembroke is you know about you know 800 kids in the school you're going to find a matchup with about 800 kids somewhere else uh it, there's no rivalry there like if Pembroke goes and plays Linfield like what's the you know there's no like right. sort of blood you know uh blood feud there right but say Pembroke plays Situate you know those kids have been playing against each other It'd probably be the third time all season that they played each other so I really enjoyed the the cup format in the fall I can tell you from the few games I saw, and I think I was able to cover uh, one boys' soccer uh, game in the Hockamock Cup, and I covered a couple of field hockey games and Patriot in the Hockamock Cups. And it sure looked like the state tournament to, to me. Uh, particularly, there was a Franklin King Philip Hockamock Cup field hockey final, and it was one nothing. And you know, there's a lot of history between those schools, anyways. And yeah, it. it Sure looked like the regular old MIA tournament to me. And same was able to cover a soccer game. What was that? Milford, Oliver Ames, I believe, right behind your house. Yeah. I think uh, yep. you're the one who called in telling them to turn the lights off there because it was getting late. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was exciting. It was very exciting. And this also brings in to sort of a point that leagues that don't have a conference tournament. I was talking with a girls hockey coach in the Bay State Conference, and he expressed some dismay to me that, there's no Bay State Cup, if you will, to look forward to. And he wishes it was a little more uniform across all of these leagues so that every league will get a little taste of the action. And now it's, I guess it's kind of like an Ivy League football schedule where yeah. you just play your schedule and that's that. You don't play a bowl game. You don't go to the playoffs. It's just eight games or whatever it might be, 12, and uh, you're done. Right. Yeah, and your final record is what you are, and that's, you know, Harvard beats Yale 29-29. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, so. So I, I definitely, I understand it in that. And I, you know, I guess there's one argument to be made where, well, it's just adding more exposure, more risk. Well, you're already playing all these teams anyways. Why not maximize the schedule a little bit? It just doesn't make sense to cut off games where you already have 
X number of games already scheduled within these timelines. And if everybody's still following the rules as they should be, you know, during uh, the postseason tournaments, I, I think that'd be great if there was a base state conference tournament. And that goes for every league where there wasn't a postseason tournament. I'm not sure uh, up north, the Merrimack Valley Conference, I don't believe they had one. I, I'd have to double check on the middle sex. I kind of forget there. Um, but hey, just another side tangent. Uh, hey, a little uniformity would be nice. Yeah, right. And so we look at, at, at from, you know, say 35,000 feet, right? The macro level we're looking at high school hockey. Let's look at it at the micro level now. In the game itself, how is the game going to look different to um, a spectator watching on <laughs> on My Hockey Live or, uh, you know, some other service that is covering the game because you can't get into the buildings? I'm about to find out again. I'm about 40 minutes away from Wolverine here. I'm going to see the girls game. And the girls game, I think, is going to look a little bit more similar right. to what you're used to because there's no checking anyways. But in the boys' games, you know, there's, I guess, along the boards, it's only allowed to be one-on-one. Once a third man or fourth player jumps on in, uh, they're going to blow the play dead for social distancing or something along those lines. So you're not going to see that. I'm really excited to see what the benches look like. Oof. I don't know how it, with some of these rinks that you go to, which is so crammed anyways, I, I think you're going to have players lined up sort of behind the glass yep. standing up. It'll be kind of like you're playing pond hockey. Uh, and that's also another thing I do want to get to. I'd love to see some outdoor games. If it gets cold enough, can you imagine like a Hingham Duxbury game at Trip Hammer Pond in Hingham? The big I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where the ponds are in uh, some of these other towns. I'm just speaking from hometown experience, but that would be so cool to get an outdoor game. I, if, again, it'd be a very slight silver lining uh, to come from all this. Yeah. So, it, you know, I talked to one coach and, and I said that one of the first questions I said is, how does what does the game look like right now? And he said, you know, the first thing is, is on the bench is we're separated out so much. You can only have three coaches on the bench and that that's going to be a, a change for some teams. You know, I think about some of the teams that have four and five coaches on the bench. Right. So you can have three coaches on the bench and then the players themselves have to be lined up in in places off of the bench because you can only really have essentially uh, two lines, I think, of players on the bench. So there are going to be buildings where that's a big struggle. Um, you know, they're going to have to put down, they they probably already have done this, but, you know, rubber matting around the, where the benches usually are, and you're going to see players lined up down the glass, uh, and it's going to look like people waiting for concert tickets to get to get onto <laughs> the ice. So that's going to be one change. The second that, that they talked about was um, the electronic whistle, which is a, a whole nother... Um, sort of change that you know obviously when you blow into a whistle that that in and of itself is probably a super spreader event uh, yeah g- g- given the amount of spit that ends up on that little that little um, uh, cork ball but the the electronic whistle essentially is like carrying around a speaker uh, and you push the button and it's this big loud chirp that you know that the players have to stop playing so that that'll be another uh, interesting uh, change to, to hockey as we as we know it uh, I So, again, going to a girls game today, I'll certainly take note of what looks different there. But I do think, aesthetically, the play on the ice isn't going to look all that much different in the girls game because of the lack of contact. Uh, the boys game, we'll see. And I'm still not entirely clear what the face-off rule is. I, I guess 
nobody's allowed in and around the circle unless you're actually taking the face off. I, I think I have that right, but uh, yeah, I guess we're going to find that out in about half an hour as well. Yeah, I think <laughs> there will be some differences for, for stuff like that. Like in soccer, the the corner, uh, the um, the throw-ins became kick-ins, right? So there'll be there'll yep. be little cha- little changes that will have to happen. So now looking at the teams themselves. Uh, this their schedules are, are are you know all over the place with cancellations, of course. But our traditional powers won't necessarily be playing each other. So, with the exceptions of you know the traditional powers that are in say the Catholic Conference playing right. you know playing against each other. Um, but going back again to a Hingham, who's an independent, now playing against you know uh, they're playing Marshfield twice, they're playing Silver Lake twice, they're playing. Whitman Hansen twice. These are teams that they never had played probably previously, or in many years at least. Uh, right. I, other other than Marshfield and Duxbury, yeah, sure. it's uh, a totally new schedule. Sure. So, so who do you see as kind of the like? Well, if, if we're making a, if we're making, we're going to have to make a paper. You know, if we're creating crowning a paper champion here, um, you know, if we're in the old fashioned college football way before the college football playoff. Who who ends up being sort of the top ranked team in the state, having never played against the number two? I guess. Hey, speaking of the college football playoff, how about Clemson going down last night? That was awesome. You know, as but... a, as a Michigan <laughs> as a Michigan fan, there are a few things I hate more than Ohio State. <laughs> but one of those things is but one of those things is Dabo Sweeney. <laughs> so yeah, ex- exactly. Oh, I lo- I loved to see that. Yeah. Um, from the few conversations I've had uh, surrounding Hingham. They brought back just about everybody, yeah, other than the seniors they graduated. They didn't lose anybody to transfer. You know, Paul Forbes is back for his senior season. He's the kind of player that in a normal year would probably be one of, and I think he's going to be one of the top players in the state anyways, but he's the kind of kid who would be on, you know, your Glober Herald, uh, Super Teams, All Scholastics, things of that nature. Um, Aiden Brazel is back, sophomore forward. You know, he was probably going to be a big breakout player across the state. And that's not to say he won't be still. It's just it's going to be a little more difficult, I guess, to get noticed. I, I don't know. Um, so Hingham is still – Hingham's Hingham. Hingham's always Hingham. But I think they returned a good core of players from a team that, you know, they made the Super 8 as a playing team last year, but then they lost that game and then they wound up losing – uh, to a very good Falmouth team in the uh, Division One South tournament. So this is a Hingham team that was going to be a Super 8 team again. I don't think there would be any question there. And, you know, maybe capable of making a little more noise this year. But, unfortunately, it's just going to be a big game of what if. Um, you know, Hanover within the Patriot League, I know they bring back a lot of their same talent from a team that was all set to go to the Garden uh, to play for their second state title. You know, they were named co-champions anyways. Um, and their team certainly led by uh, Manning Morris that was going to be back in uh, probably going after their third state championship in the last five seasons or six seasons, however many it's been now. Um, Duxbury with the new interim coach and Ben Murphy, who I guess got married on Tuesday. I uh, saw a tweet there. He, Got married in the morning, then had practice in the afternoon. That's pretty cool. <laughs> As a <laughs> um, very understanding new bride. Only in 2020, right? Uh, so that it's that. I think it was going to be a lot of the usual suspects still competing uh, within the Patriot League. You know, Marshfield always. I think they were a young team last year and still made a pretty nice run there. 
the D1 tournament. And, uh, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see some of those teams compete against one another because this is one of the things, I, one of the only good things now is Hingham, Duxbury, Marshfield, Hanover, year in, year out. And I know Hingham's not always in the Patriot League, but bear with me. Those three teams, four teams, generally the best four teams in that, you know, south area, I guess. And now we're going to get to see them play against one another uh, to truly duke it out. You know, I don't think it's what any of them necessarily want. I think they would rather, uh, certainly in the case of Hingham and probably Marshfield as well, uh, get into the Super 8. But, uh, you know, now we're really going to see uh, who's the king of the south, I guess. Yeah, and... I uh, mean, I would love to see Canton get into some of those games. <laughs> yeah, uh, totally, totally. Canton and Franklin as well in the Hockamock League. Um, and then you look down south, even further south, I guess, on the Cape. Uh, everybody's back in Falmouth. They did graduate uh, 100-point scorer Nick Champagny. Uh, but Stone Devlin's back for them. They got the McDonald uh, Cousins back for them. So Falmouth was going to be a team, you know, probably not super eight, but again, a very good Division One South team. Uh, I think the same is true with Barnstable and a lot of the talent they've been able to cultivate and keep uh, at the school since Tim Grace became coach there. But 2016, I believe, was his first year then. So, you know, we're going to see them battle it out for supremacy on the Cape, which, again, is kind of what it always is. Those two teams uh, seem to be one of the last ones standing. So I'm excited uh, to see them play two times in the regular season and then inevitably again in the Cape and Islands tournament uh, for true bragging rights there. Although, of course, they wind up playing each other in the uh, postseason tournament every couple of years anyways, and last year was one of them. Falmouth beat Barnstable. I think that would have been the South quarterfinals. Uh, it's all a little clouded together, obviously, because of how it ended. But, um, yeah, so it'll be exciting to see some more regional rivalries in that regard. Yeah, now how about moving up north, uh, you know, what do you see out of the, that, I don't know, the kind of surrounding the city area? You know, teams like Arlington, uh, who, you know, they lose sort of all-time, all-timer Anthony Missouri. Sure. Uh, uh, well, I'm told there's another Missouri. So, told there's a younger brother. Um, drawing a blank on his name. I have not seen an Arlington roster yet, but I guess we'll find out today when they play Wolverine. Um, so, you know, Arlington, like a lot of these great programs we just mentioned down South, uh, they don't rebuild, they reload. Would they, are they going to be as good this year as they were last year when they were super eight co-champions and would have played Pope Francis for garden? I'm not quite sure. I think after such a special team like that, it's inevitable to take maybe half a step back, but they would still be considered, uh, probably the best team in the Middlesex League and a Super 8 contender, therefore, if you're the best in the Middlesex, is kind of how it goes. Um, I know Burlington and Redding, again, two teams right along those same lines. Is Arlington, lots of talent coming back. Um, Redding's a team we get to see on My Hockey Live a lot, uh, down at the Buddy Ferreira Classic, which won't be happening this year, and I'm really devastated over that. That's one of my favorite weeks of the year, um, but you know, another story for another time, I guess. Uh, I hope the Middlesex League is able to figure out some sort of postseason play for hockey because of how competitive those three teams are. And throw Winchester in there as well. Arlington, Burlington, Reading, and Winchester. And a Boston Latin, too, probably, right? Well, Boston, right, in um, the dual county league, they would be. But Boston Latin, they really, I guess one of the most underrated programs, I think would be a good way to look at them. Uh, I don't think they get a lot of the recognition they deserve, but Frank Woods does an outstanding job 
with them uh, keeping talent at the school and uh, competing in that. It's the hybrid DCL MVC league um, right there with your Lincoln Sudbury's, your Concord Carlisle's of the world. I, and they can certainly com- can compete with some of the bigger schools in that league as well, I would think, up in the Division One level, whether that's Waltham or Andover. Uh, always enjoy going to Boston Latin games there. Murphy Rink, you step outside, you feel like you're an extra in The Departed. Uh, it's just a great, great <laughs> scenic rink to go to. I always enjoy that one. Yeah, and they're playing an abbreviated schedule, too, of, you know, say 9-10 games, and it's Cambridge and uh, Newton South, uh, Bedford, Wayland, uh, it, it'll, you know, it's an interesting schedule for them. I, I <laughs> it's not what they're used to sort of playing, I, I guess would right. be the right, right. <laughs> the right word for well, it. Well, because in non-league action, they usually get to see Canton and Medfield, I believe. Correct. And, um, they, they play in a tournament there over February vacation. I'm drawing a blank on which uh, tournament it is exactly, but. Yeah, that's uh, that's another game we'll be missing. Yeah, so uh, kind of wrap things up here, I suppose. Uh, you got anybody in mind for sort of a preseason favorite um, as a, as an individual player? Is there anybody that you you're, you're looking at? You saw what they did as a sophomore or a junior, and you're looking to see them become like the next guy. You know, I mentioned Forbes from Hingham. Uh He's a senior now. Really excited to watch him play. Um, I mentioned Stone Devlin down in Falmouth. Love his game. Plays a heavy game. It's always a fan of his. Uh, um, you know, out in Framingham, who we really hope is going to be able to play some games. Apparently, that's still up in the air. I know they've graduated a lot of talent the last couple of years with your Mike Tersonis and your Will Trisquitas, but still some great players there, whether it's Thomas Dwayne uh, would be one example. So, I'm excited to see some players like that. Um, I haven't I, done quite enough in-depth research on some of the rosters yet, but uh, I'm really looking forward to see some of the players that we did see last year take these big strides. And it's a shame we won't get to see them uh, shine sort of in the state tournament, but get to shine all the same uh, at the very least, just being on the ice. Yeah, and one of the things to be left, uh, not to be left out here is the, the sort of the great, I guess the the great sort of, you know, 500 home runs, right, in baseball or, you know, uh, the 50-goal season in the NHL. Um, there aren't going to be that the, that the 100-point scorer is sort of the one for high school hockey. And because of the abbreviated schedule, I think we'll see a lot of kids not be able to reach that level. Right. You know? It's a shame. Well, I know Manny Morris, uh, to bring him up again, he got to 100. I believe it was in the state tournament last year as a junior. Uh, so he's got a, and I think he's five or six points behind his brother, uh, Connor Morris. So he should still have enough time to catch him. I think if he's around 110 points there, but, uh, you know, I don't think he'll be able to necessarily leave him in the dust, so to speak. I yeah. think, uh, might not be able to get to say 150 points, which right. would have been, um, in place certainly. Sure. Sure. All right, Jake, uh, great talking with you here on My Hockey Life podcast. Uh, we'll try and make this a weekly thing. Um, Absolutely. And one more thing. Uh, I know we we focus, obviously, on the high school game, but uh, a poor one out for Zidane Ochara. Oh. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm having a harder time with this one than I was with Tom Brady leaving. And I know that sounds absurd on so many levels, but here's why. Tom Brady accomplished – everything 
you know, six Super Bowls, couple MVPs, this, that, and the other. With Chara, and I think this is true of a guy who wins one championship kind of early on in their tenure somewhere. Think maybe Brett Favre in Green Bay or Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay right now. Sure. And then you're just there for so long afterwards, and you never quite get back to that, you know, the apex of the mountain. It's just, I don't, Chara himself did not underachieve, but these teams, since winning it all in 2011, uh, it's just, it's very frustrating to know they only won one cup with Zidane Chara. It beats zero, of course, at least we're not talking about the Sedins in Vancouver yeah, yeah. or Roberto Luongo or, you know, in other sports, say Dan Marino or Carmelo Anthony, just to name a few, but, um, you know, sometimes only winning one championship can be just as frustrating. Uh, and I know that sounds ridiculous, but um, I, it, it just sucks to see him gone. Yeah, for- even if it even if it might not be the worst move hockey wise, right, I kind right, of get that right. too. Right, yeah, 14 seasons in Boston. His number 33 will be up in the rafters yep. sh- shortly after right. his retirement from the game. Um, and, and you know, I think. This was a great point that was brought up. Uh, Matt Brown, who played in the Norwood High School team and was yep. uh, tragically injured uh, during one of his high school seasons, and his um, he, he he posted on Twitter he kind of little thread on on some of the things that Zidane Chara did off the ice that people didn't know about, and one of them was that after Matt was injured, Zidane Chara showed up at the pasta party for the Norwood High School boys team. Uh, I remember that, you know, yep. and stayed for like an hour and hung out with those kids. Um, so cool. Yeah, I mean, and that's something like that's the kind of stuff that people never heard about that he did. And he was the people that work at Children's Hospital and the people that work at Dana Farber said he was just a mainstay there. Uh, so, I, you know, quick side note on Matt Brown. I read his book uh, two summers ago. Stonehill Grad. Line, Stonehill Line Change. Stonehill Grad, by the way. Yep, Stonehill Grad. Sorry. Awesome, <laughs> awesome read. Actually, read it in one day. It was that good. Wow. Yeah, it was uh, it was awesome, and they spoke with a lot of other people involved in um, his accident. Even the player who checked him um, was interviewed for it, and they've sort of forged a friendship. And they realized it, it, it was just a hockey play. Yeah. there was no malicious intent or right, anything. Right. So it, it it was heartbreaking uh, to read, but also just so inspirational. Uh, Matt Brown. Um, you know, love to get him on the podcast sometime. Yeah, absolutely. And he's a great Twitter follow, too. Um, yes. So, yes, he is. So, all right, we leave it there. Uh, Jake, we will talk next week. All right, Brandon. Sounds good. Enjoy your time at the rink. we got some big-time games today coming up. Uh, and uh, we will see you next week to recap some actual hockey. <laughs> Can't wait, man. All right. Take it easy.